Hello, comrades. Kyle here. You are listening to Kyle's Communist Book Club. And on today's episode, we're going to cover some recent news and housekeeping. There's a lot of changes going on around our community, and I want to get everyone in the know. So why don't I actually go ahead and start with that? Shout these right off. We've been doing live streams over on TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube about 3 p.m. Eastern time each day. Can convert that to your own time schedule accordingly. But 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, three-way streams is what I'm jokingly calling them. I think it's a fun little catchy name, but it gives people a variety of ways to tune in. That way, if you don't like one of those platforms in particular, you got some backup. So again, Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, all by looking up the username Kyle Paranormal. If for some reason that doesn't pull it up on YouTube, try Kyle the Communist. That's the I think the new channel name is that's going to be going forward. At the request of the chat, we just got a new Discord server up. So we have a private one and a public server. The public server is free to join. If anyone wants to check that out, there will be a link in the description below. Uh, if you go to revelatornetwork.com forward slash Kyle Paranormal, and it's all of my links. So you can get into all the streaming platforms. You can get following over on Instagram where I post daily communist content, including posters and theory, also some pictures of Louie, my dog, along the way. Get to see some little behind the scenes on stuff. So we got Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, the Discord server. We got the Instagram account. What else? Anything else to shout out? I think the big one's the Pioneer program. If people want to get into that, Pagan and I are rehashing that and revamping it. We want to get more and more and more people involved. And this is what gets you access to the private Discord server. All you need to do is go over to ko-fi.com forward slash pioneers and you can sign up. We're uh, enhancing the higher level tiers. Right now, $5 gets into the Discord server, $25 gets you archived streams, it gets you downloadable content, and we're trying to buff that up all the further. The $55 a month tier is soon to have a goodie box of things to go out, including some Soviet pins and the like. So if you're interested in getting some of those of your own, uh, that'd be a great way to do it. We might have some cool Lenin candles going in those boxes, too. If you've uh, gone over to Instagram, you can see some pictures. Let's talk about what's been going on over in these streams. Wow. Well, first, thank you to all the feedback from people that have been attending them. I'm hearing great things. The folks that are piling into the Discord server seem to really be liking it. And I've gotten really nice feedback from listeners to this show. So massive thank you for taking the time to message me on Instagram and all the rest. It, it means a lot. It really inspires me to keep going. I've had people asking for reading lists, too. Which I guess I should say, uh, again, inspired by comments from this show, inspired by comments from the TikTok. We've set up a little reading list on the website. I'm going to work on tidying it up more. Uh, some of my friends over in Russia have been sending me some really great links. Shout out to Andre for doing that. I need to get some of those compiled for everybody, too. We're going to have to talk about how we want that to be done. If you have interest in reading lists and things, or if you have reading recommendation, feel free to reach out to me. Again, Kyle Paranormal on Instagram is probably one of the easiest ways to message me. I am over on Twitter, but I haven't been using it this summer. Sort of taking a, a break. I guess now we're into the fall. It's officially September. That brings us to some breaking news that today, September 8th, Queen Elizabeth II, Queen Elizabeth of England in the UK, passed away. I got some comments and questions a lot on the TikTok street asking me what my thought is on a monarch dying. I feel like I should just give a quick communist stance right off the top, which is to say all monarchs are exploitative systems. They uh, enslave, they oppress people from all around the world. Specifically, the UK has such a bloody history of this from India to China to Africa to the Americas. Whew. I mean, a really, really, really brutal, repressive regime. And 
I understand that the queen was young when she got into her position, but the whole thing reeks of imperialism and monarchies are effectively dictatorships. But your kids get the role after you die. So easy answer for people asking what we should think about her. You are welcome to say, ah, oh, you know, death sucks. But the only good monarch is a dead monarch. Ta-da, there you go. There's, there's an easy answer on it. I, I, I could go into more detail in the future if people are interested. Maybe I should explain it further. I don't know if people are, were kind of using that as almost a troll bait thing today. Or if communists were sort of curious what the stance should be. I think a lot of white communists may have some sympathies for the English crown. Just because a lot of us here in America and those that are in uh, Western Europe probably have some sort of familiarity and maybe family ties to England. I know I do. One of my great grandfathers, like great, 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 was a Scotsman who guarded Queen Victoria. So like my family has a slight tie-in a couple hundred years ago or whatever to the English you know, system. But, and I guess that breeds a, a sense of interest. Like I've always been slightly interested in learning about England, specifically Queen Victoria's reign, specifically times around the Industrial Revolution and such. But it doesn't make me very sympathetic to uh, a dead 96, was she? Something like that. I, I should look this up too while we're talking. Queen Elizabeth. Sorry to everyone that knows at home. How old? 96. Oh, I was right. Okay. So a ripe age. No tears need to be shed, um, especially from communists. We know that all monarchies must go go. I want to say, I think I brought this up in the last episode, a real high uptick of monarchism has been going on in my live streams. I, I, don't, I don't know why this is a thing. Um, I'm seeing it specifically from Polish people. There are some Russian people that are kind of clamoring for the czar's return. I don't know how many of those are actually Russian people because they don't really say it in Russian very often. So uh, I always have my, my doubts but anyway, there is a clamoring, a calling for a, a, a rekindling of interest in monarchies. I assume this is just a rose-tinted shade sort of thing to say, oh, well, things seemed better back then. And believe me, I, you know, again, speaking to my interest in uh, Victorian England, there is a strongly romanticized PR push through media and culture for hundreds of years to make monarchies seem palatable. And if you really want to look into the PR of monarchies, you should look at the Windsor family because the name's fairly artificial. I'm sorry, I'm literally going off the cuff here. But the name Windsor was, what, only created for her dad, was it? Or the dad before? Uh, the family name, the, the English royalty family name right now, very, very new. Let's look it up. Yeah, 1901. So it's not this ancient royal line that's been going on forever. Rather new family last name. And it was done because they didn't want the name to be overly Germanic. Uh, it, uh, very fake. The whole, whole monarchy stuff is about retaining power and wealth and benefiting everyone who's already got their hands in the cookie jar. Knowing that all these things are big PR pushes, 
It's why I understand there's such a nostalgia out there. People get caught up in this. That's one of my favorite things to study with history, though, uh, and one of my favorite historians, Ruth Goodman, who specializes in Victorian and Edwardian history. She is a reenactor sort of person, not the let's do it on the weekend reenactment, but actual historical reenactor who goes and does current living situations beyond the reenactors who are just like, hey, we got our musket, we got our thing, we're out there in the field, let's just do it. Hers is, how did people bathe? How did they wash their clothes? Let's re let's actually redo this. How did they create bricks? How did they do the, the, the art on the wall? Not just trying to recreate the art visually, but with the exact same medium and resources at the time. She's put herself into situations where she's lived in historic conditions for I believe months at a time she'll always say history is something you don't want to go back to the idea of taking a time machine in if you actually had one right now taking a time machine back to Victorian England I think it first sounds a little interesting you know we got all these novels we got Sherlock Holmes along the way we got all these things that kind of mystify life in England at the time but if you really got there, it's going to be dirty. It's going to be hella unsanitary. There's people crowded everywhere. There's very sketchy laws related to poverty. There's workhouses that you can get thrown into if you can't make enough money. You'll be forced to work. Backbreaking, physically, handbreaking jobs meant to kind of beat the will of God into you. You poor, poor peasant. Uh, this sort of mindset is, is prevailing around the country. You know, to go back in time really wouldn't be fun. It depends on how long you get to stay, right? If you're like, oh, five minutes, I'm in and out, I'm good. But again, the first time you have to sit down and eat a meal that, you know, has been just meat sitting out in the gross shop like it was, like treated the way it was, food that was gathered in real sketch ways. I mean, this stuff still happens around the world, don't get me wrong. Uh, but again, you know, to go back and be forced to live in this, Ruth will always say one of the worst parts is you forget how cold the past is. Most of us these days are used to some sort of modern heating amenities, but going back, <laughs> you don't get those sort of luxuries. And I don't know. I just, I want to bring this whole story up as I see a lot of time paradoxes thrown at me in the TikTok chat. People saying like, well, you didn't live back then, you don't know. And they're trying to tell me, and they're sitting in a position where they probably haven't even done this much research. You know, they don't know that if you <laughs> could go back in time, it wouldn't be fun. These are people just sitting around in modernity and modern situations going like, Kyle, you don't know, you've never been. It's like, yeah, neither of us have, thank God. You know, thank, thank whatever you want, thank human progress, thank goodness. Neither of us have had to go back in time and live in the past. And oh, that just gets onto a whole other can of worms. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm already a little ranty and rambly, but just sort of bringing this whole idea, trying to net it all back together. People get really confused uh, when talking to communists on how we view history. They want to, they think we're trying to send them back in time. They think we're reversals on progress. They think that we're trying to create slave states. And it's like, no, 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 no. Everything you're describing is colonialism and capitalism. You're describing monarchies that endorse slavery. You're, you endorse, you're, you're supporting capitalists who, again, endorse slavery. You're saying that we want slaves? No, no. As socialists and communists, we're pushing back 
against any kind of slavery. We are all for workers' rights and equality in the workspace, true democracy in the workspace, not this liberal democracy that we have now that you get to vote between this person or that person that are both pre-selected. Both always tend to come from financial backgrounds or Hollywood or something like that where they've got lots of cash pushing their way. I hope I'm actually on subject tonight. There really isn't one, as I said, right? This is just going to be some some brief news and some some uh, rehash on what's going on lately. We're just keeping this one light and fun. The stream today was three hours, so I think my brain's a little bit frazzled. That's a really good time, though. It was so good. We had so many good questions. And, I, and again, I want to shout out the Discord server because I'm seeing a real community pop up there. We do have it um, set up so that people need a role assigned. We're trying to keep the trolling low. I. I've owned public Discord servers before when I've had thousands of people in them, and, and they can become trolly, ungodly nightmares. So far, so good. People are behaving. The topics are on chat. Or on, <laughs> the, the topics are on chat. The chats are on topic. My goodness, my brain. I'm so happy people are in there learning about communism and sharing book recommendations. So absolute shout out right now it's just called kyle's communist server <laughs> we'll see if it gets a more formal slap of paint but if you do want to go in and get in the other one the pioneer server that one is a lot more specified it's got resources for people out the wazoo that's where we're trying to get folks organized for whatever may come in the future whatever may come now back to other things I've got to share out. Maybe I should start dumping a lot of the links that my friend Andre sends me right into the the public Discord server. There's a resources channel. Um, there's he sends me just fantastic things. And I met him through this podcast, by the way. I don't know that he still listens. Probably doesn't have time these days because he's too busy messaging me and and giving me insights on on everything. He's right now translating a very long, like hour long, podcast of a Russian communist and a Ukrainian communist discussing the war in Ukraine, talking about the political systems in both countries, what the oligarchy and set up monetarily is like in those countries, what us as fellow communists should be viewing and seeing of the situation. Really helpful stuff. So he's probably very far into it. I think he's over halfway now. I've been dumping it into a big old Grammarly document, and I'll get that pushed out to people. Hopefully, what we should also do is probably message this over to the, the YouTube channel, and they could maybe just publish his translation directly or something on the channel, too. That'd be, that'd be really sweet for them. And, and this is a massive cheers to the work that fellow communists do, is spending the time to learn and to share. To share, to share, to share. Sharing is so big. That's why I, I, I really need to start archiving even more from our chat. One of these days, I'm just going to have to go through our, our thing and scroll line by line by line and take almost every message and start just dumping them into documents for everybody. I really should do that maybe even tonight. Uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll go and start plopping them into the Discord server if I get some spare time. I just think it would be very helpful for folks out there to see differing opinions. One of the most common sort of defeatist lines I receive over on TikTok, I think I talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast, is I'll get people from Central Europe. And I know there's a little bit of debate over what's Central and what's Eastern Europe. So as an American, uh, I'm just thinking, you know, looking at the map, I get a lot of people from Poland, uh, a lot of people from, Slo less from Slovakia, I guess. 
good amount of people from the Czech Republic and and people from Poland and the Czech Republic. I, I see that visually on the map of Central Europe. They like to tell me, Kyle, you don't know anything. You don't know what it was like. You've never spoken to people in the USSR. And it's like, actually, explicitly, I try and keep those connections sort of the most active in my life because I really do want to learn from firsthand voices that lived in these situations and experienced it. I I don't want to get my, quote, facts from a nameless, faceless profile in the comment section saying, well, my dad, and the problem with the my dad comments, a lot of them will say, well, do you want to talk to my grandmother? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> I've told a couple of the trolls before. I'm like, yes, please get off of TikTok and get her an account. I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounds so mean when I say it like this. But I don't, I don't, I don't have enough characters to write this whole joke to them. But I'm often like, yes, please, her. I want to talk to her. The truth I'll tell all of you is, yeah, I'm like, I don't give a rat's ass about great, great, great grandson. I don't care. I'm sorry. You were born in what, 20, 20 I almost said 2020, but that's a little bit too recent. It's still only 2022. They're two years old and they're on there saying, communism's the devil. That is the next thing you guys will find out. <laughs> next to the monarchists, it'll be the three-year-olds that are like, we want British autocracy. Spread the sovereign's rule. I don't know. I mean, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sounding really funny, but this is what happens after I deal with three hours of it today. Ooh. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I back to what I was saying. I, I really want the real content, not the filtered through both school propaganda and all that. In fact, today was an interesting one where I had an opposite happen. Someone said, you know, my mom lived in the USSR and she loved it. She raves about it, but I don't. I'm a monarchist. I didn't get much more information out of that guy, but there you go. There's an interesting case of a, a person that said their mother was from the USSR and lived there and loved it, and then he's just a monarchist. And I wish I could have gotten more. Maybe there's a chance. Who knows? Maybe that person will come back around. But anyway, there's some really interesting little tidbits. There's a lot of interesting kind of flamboyant comments and big claims from people that are not often backed up. And I'm really trying to convey that to my audience. I'm sorry if I'm a broken record lately, but I am hell-bent on this concept that if you're going to tell me you're from Mars, I need proof that you're from Mars. Show me videos of Martian soil. You know, I want to see the Martian sunset. I want to see your Martian language. At least type in it a couple times. You know, show me your spacecraft. I'll, 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 reasonable expectations of proof, right? Kyle, sometimes nameless, faceless profile pictures have information. Right. That's not to say that a blank avatar can't share a fact, but that fact we're assuming is backed up in a book or a source. But when there is no source and you're saying, well, it's my truth. Trust me, I'm from Mars. I know Martian culture. I am a Martian. Then I need to see the proof that you are from Mars, right? Is this making sense to people out there? I really hope so. If you post a fact that can be backed up in a book, I could care less what your profile is. That's great. As long as the book is quality too, right? Then we then we vet the authors at that stage, right? It, it, you can post and say, well, the Black Book of Communism says that a billion, trillion, zillion uh, people were murdered by communism. Well, okay, we understand that you are regurgitating a, f a very questionable fact from a 
very unreputable book and we understand that the author is to blame and then this person that's spewing it is also to blame because they're spewing misinformation that could very easily be verified. However, when they're choosing again to say, no, 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 it's me. I know the truth. I am the truth. I existed there. I am the evidence. I'm the only evidence. I'm a firsthand account, but I can't actually validate it. Oops, I forgot how to speak Russian because I left the country six years ago. <laughs> you don't forget your native language that fast. Thank goodness that I've had a lot of other multilingual people come in and back me up on that too. Some of you may maybe already heard that comment. I think I made it in one of these past episodes too, but it was something to the effect that someone said, oh yeah, Gleb said, I... I forgot how to speak Russian. I've left the, I left the country six years ago. It's like, bro, no, you didn't. You didn't know how to speak it. The other Russian people in the chat caught him on, on this whole concept. Uh, this is why everyone should be making friends from abroad. It just makes the whole world more interesting. You know, I, I'm not here to judge Romanian communism, but you know who I leave it to? The Romanian communists in my chat. I let them handle it. I let the people that own the history, that live in the culture. I try and let them handle it best of all. You know, I'm here in those spaces, both here in the podcast, but also in the Twitch stuff and the YouTube and the Twi TikTok stuff. I'm there to facilitate conversation. But I'm not there to tell people how their past was lived. No, I go out there and I seek those sources myself. This podcast started, very embarrassingly, in its early days, as a walkthrough to Svetlana Alexievich's book, The Secondhand Time, Last of the Soviets. Really great book. I still recommend it. Andre laughs at me all the time because it's, um, it's written as an anti-communist text. But I now use that every day in the stream. And I say, look, folks, look, this is a, this is a book full of firsthand accounts of people that have lived through the terrors that you're, you're saying that communism did. And some of those terrors have a uh, some validity to it, right? There, there were red terrors. There were um, uh, revolutionary terror. There, there were famines. But look at the people living the lives and hear what they have to say about it. Take truth from them. That's where I think that Alexievich's, Svetlana Alexievich's book falls flat is if she's trying to write an anti-communist book, it just every chapter breaks my heart because all I hear is like a, a living, breathing, true believer. Okay, every other story is true believers. There's there's like a dissenter in between. But the point is, I hear people that really believed in the the, the socialist and communist dream. I try and tell people to look at those sources. The people in chat will say, you trust a book over me? And I go, yes, yes, I do. Yes, because even if Svetlana was an anti-communist journalist, at least she's a journalist. Who are you? Chuck in TikTok chat, username 9085136244. I start reading out their names like that too these days. I'm sorry, this is just a little mental health rant episode is what's what's good for me. But I, I've started reading out their full username. So they'll come in again, user 6213456. And I'll spend a second to read out their whole username and say, your opinion may be valid. But with a username like that, I can't take you as truth. You didn't even spend the three seconds to give yourself a real human-esque name even if it were like communism hater 101 like at least that would have been some something you know there would have been a little bit of energy into it and there's a truth to there's a there's an importance to calling this out i think i, I maybe i'm just justifying myself ranting and raving but i really want to remind people that just because you see a comment section full of people quote telling you how it is 
does not mean that's the truth. One of the things that inspired me to get back to this podcast, that inspired me to get back into reading Lenin not long ago, was me getting into an argument in a Soviet meme maker's Instagram comment. So Soviet memes, Instagram account, got in the comments. They had posted something like, oh, support Russia in the war. You know, uh, Ukraine's just full of fascists completely and Russia has none. And so be a good communist and support Russia, which as real Marxists, we know that's no, no, no. We, especially as Leninists, know that's a big no, 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 because supporting any bourgeois group makes you an opportunist. You end up joining the bourgeois ranks in a capacity. You become a class traitor. You work against the working class by supporting the elite class in a war that is meant to separate, segregate, and eliminate fellow workers. So see how you become like a fellow enemy combatant by picking up arms for your country in that case? That's that's sort of the idea there of imperialism is is that imperialism is out to take and exploit other lands. So these wars are just going to continue in sort of a round robin way. They're not going to slow down. They're not going to stop. That's why we as communists need to organize internally with our countries, you know, with our fellow communists and socialists, but also beyond and partner with our international communist and socialist friends, because together that's where we can build way more international unity, a much stronger and much more effective front. But back to this subject of the comments, Before I had read Lenin's thinking on this, before I had read the theory on this, I knew that saying back Russia was not an appropriate communist take. And I jumped in in the comments and I I try never to rip our fellow communists apart. I just said, hey, comrade, this isn't uh, actually the way it is. You know, we don't. We shouldn't be viewing the war through this sort of lens. You know, by supporting Russia, you're supporting Putin and his ideals, which are inherently anti-worker and anti-socialist. You know, he's even this person that bashed Lenin in his opening speech for the, quote, special operation. The comments lit me up. <laughs> they were not happy. I actually posted a meme about this recently. It's Karl Marx looking. He says something like, I'm going to look out and see how the modern proletariat, and then he looks out, and it's a crowd of uh, men with a bunch of Z profiles and uh, Russian flags on there as if they're the modern proletariat, and they have all kinds of like anti-socialist slogans. If I can see it, you could see it on my Instagram. It's up there somewhere. But uh, <laughs> the comments were lighting me up because they're like, how dare you support America? And I'm like, I'm not, first of all, nope, nope, not me, not this American. But they started to tell me I don't know imperialism. You don't know it. You don't understand what imperialism is. Turns out, without actually reading the formal definition of imperialism, I was right about what imperialism was. Funny, this is why I always want to encourage you all to go and read theory. I was so afraid of theory for so long because I thought theory was going to tell me that communism was the boogeyman I've always been preached that it is. Funny thing about theory is it's the exact opposite of that. It really uh, was aligned with my core values. And the thing is, theory can be critiqued too, folks. It's one thing to be regressive on theory and say, nah, we should settle for less. You know, we don't, we don't care about full workers' rights. That's revisionism. That gets into class, uh, uh, class war stuff. But to say, hey, look, 
This was an attempt at a socialist state. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's why we should try harder at this. Here's why we shouldn't try that. That is critiquing for the better. And if you can back your arguments, hallelujah, that is, that means you got a brain. You can critically think. And honestly, these days, I know this sounds dismissive, but really it feels like less than 10% of the population has even basic critical thinking skills. As fellow communist listeners out there, again, I'm not trying to preach elitism, but you probably know what I'm talking about. You go into comment sections just like I do and you see people say the most insane stuff. Let's face it, as communists, one of our most standard things that we see is people that are working class folks that would benefit from any socialist policy. And they're like, no, I like starving and waiting for bread and bread lines. Actually, there's an interesting thing on itself as everyone's telling me, bread lines, Kyle, bread lines, we're gonna have bread lines. I'm like, yeah, have you ever lived in a US city? There's already bread lines for years and years and years and years and years. We've always had bread lines. You may have just been too privileged that you didn't see them before because you've never lived in neighborhoods where there needs to be food aid handed out to people. Now in Mississippi, we've got water lines because the US government said for another you know, large part of a predominantly a, a, a black American space there that they're like, oh, we're not going to fix the plumbing. We're going to send all these billions of dollars overseas to fight wars, but, well, and we're going to fund the police force, but we're not going to send any money to help a whole city get their water supply back. The official stance is just keep waiting. Whew. That gets back to that idea. I'm sorry if I'm derailing a lot, but gets me back to this idea that we see those comments below that are such inflammatory stuff like well, kids don't deserve to eat because i worked hard for my money R really i i that that one i see quite often on tiktok well i'll help who i want to help Ooh, well, i'm not even talking about splitting your money bro that's capitalism that wants you the individual worker to shell out to help other people Communism isn't even promoting that like socialism isn't promoting that we're not saying that you the worker should be breaking your food budget for the week to split that with someone else. No, capitalism is telling you that. It says here, you get $100. Well, you can either eat all, with all that $100 yourself or you can give some of it away for, for charity. Socialism is not saying that. Socialism is saying let's liquidate the ultra elite, which nowadays have so much money that it's really just off the charts. Like there's just no way to spend it. It's, it's collecting money for the vanity of collecting money at this stage. And all that's happening while people are starving. So no, socialism is not trying to get you to break your small paycheck that's already way underpaying you. We're not trying to get you to split your income with them. We're trying to take it from the ultra elite and also get the freaking means of productions back in the hands of the people. And a very simple, really helpful meme I've seen to explain that to people lately is one that reads, you built the roads, you built the factories, you build the products, why do you owe none of it? That gets to the idea of the breaking down of private property, of expropriating those assets nationalizing them in a way that you have true democracy within the workplace. Because we don't need a Jeff Bezos or a board of people that have never visited your factory to own it. They're all shareholders. The company's goal is not to take care of the workers. It's not to take care of the customers. The company's goal is to earn profit for the shareholders.
And that's where people, I don't know why they think capitalism is some sort of savior. I know they've linked it to the idea that innovation only happens under capitalism. But again, if capitalism's goal is to only get, you know, increased wealth and bring it to the top, take power for the bourgeoisie and keep that that money flowing, it's never going to end well for the workers. Capitalism breeds planned obsolescence. That is knowing that you're selling someone an inferior product now because you want them to come back as a customer soon. You only need to sell them so much that you keep them hooked. Like a good drug addict or a good, you know, someone that's trying to get you to be an addict, right? Give them just enough so they're always coming back. That will breed loyalty. Folks should look into that idea. It's a very nefarious one that we see take shape in all kinds of different governments. That in itself is, is one of the aspects where fascism starts to rise out of decaying capitalism. As people can't find jobs in just traditional industries, they we often see an uptick in militant groups that could be like the, the country's hiring more police officers or they're recruiting more people for the army. That makes people reliant on the state for f their you know, income. And this is, again, opposed to socialism because where socialism is trying to say, no, 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 we want you to have good access to jobs. We want you to work in something that's beneficial to the country and your true passions. You know, this might be, sorry if I'm, if I'm too benevolent in my approach here, folks. I know some people want me to be like, no, you're going to be forced to work in the coal mine. And if you don't like it, even more work in the coal mine. No, no, that, that sounds like fascism to me. No, I want you to work somewhere that you're going to work well because you enjoy it. So on the other end, again, fascism says, well, decaying capitalism, let's get more people hooked on working for the state. If we get them to work in enforcement positions like police or military, good, then they'll work for us. Then they're the bodyguards of the state. They're relying on us. If we stop paying them, they will starve. Bada bing, bada boom. You can see this throughout history. Like I was trying to draw that example. It's, it's like getting people hooked to a drug. Keep them just addicted enough to keep coming back. That's pretty much capitalism in a nutshell, too. It's how the system works. It's how all the businesses work. You figure almost every software program that you get online these days, you know, many of them upsell you on all these different features. Well, you could pay $10 a month, but you get more for $25 a month, you get more for $50 a month. In all those sort of ways, um, these large, you know, large software brands, that sort of stuff, they could just sell you one model and it would be just as good. But instead, we're on all these tiers to try and suck up the most money from people. And, you know, in some cases, sure, it, it, it's needed depending on the size of the thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a guy that exists under capitalism. I have my coffee program, right? That coffee program gets people my actual time, though, not just selling a, 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 the same program that's already produced once. It's a big way to kind of look at how things are monetized out there. And I like to evaluate my own footprint in it, too. You know, I, I'm, I don't exist outside of capitalism. You certainly don't either, whoever you are. If you're listening to this podcast, you and I are in the same boat together. We both can't stop working tomorrow lest we run out of food money and can't pay for where we live. So we do need to participate in these systems, but we need to try and do it ethically as best we can. And we also need to be doing it in a way that we're pushing for change. So don't feel bad. We're not trying to say, hey, you must cut down on your food budget to help other people in your neighborhood. If you have extra money and you can help, fantastic. But again, we're trying to shift the state. We're trying to shift the system, the law, all of that that prevents us from helping people on a regular. 
There's one more thing I think I want to shout out, another really good comment. I got it twice today, and it's just really fun because it's so, it was so easy to answer, and it came straight from my heart. Someone said, Kyle, why should I, if I become a doctor, be paid as much as a McDonald's worker? And I said, you are exactly the person that we do not want to become a doctor. Your heart isn't in it. You are asking about getting into a field that is about helping people and your primary motive for that would be money. I said, that's exactly why I wouldn't want you to be a doctor because you wouldn't have the heart or the care for it. You would be pursuing the dollar, not the patient's well-being. Woo! They did not have anything to say about it either time that topic was brought up. It was two different people, but I thought that was a pretty good answer and that has never clicked with me before. I just have never thought about that and all the times that people were asking about wage disparities and stuff uh, under, you know, quote unquote, uh, communism is going to pay us the same sort of system, which by the way, let me just chime in and say under socialism, where there's still a monetary system, we can absolutely still be giving people benefits and extra pay for more intensive jobs. But I think people might be shocked at what jobs we prioritize. Because I'm looking at our janitor staffs out there, you know, that are working hard, literally cleaning up people's puke and feces. I'm looking at them to get more pay. <laughs> that's, that's one of the first areas I want to see more pay go to. Just say it. Not the only one. But I'm just saying, they're, they're wrist deep in your feces and you're like, well, they barely deserve $10. <laughs> okay, now you work for free, sir. That attitude, you got You deserve a year probation where you're scrubbing voluntarily. That sort of snarky attitude. I just see that all the time come from like white collar job sort of folks. And this isn't saying all white collar job people think this way, but it is to say predominantly there is this idea from white men working white collar jobs. They're like, well, it's just the immigrants that are doing that sort of grunt labor and they don't deserve to be paid fair wages. They're not real humans. And uh, yeah, nope, scratched all that garbage. We're not playing that sort of game. That's why I like to shove all this stuff back in people's faces in the TikTok stream. Everyone tells me I'm really nice there. They're like, Kyle, you're so polite. You take everyone's questions. I'm like, well, thank you. I, I, I try, but I'm also quite snarky too. And I throw it back at people. You know, I, I, I call a 15-year-old a 15-year-old. Not because I think that, an, you know, 15 makes you stupid and not worthy of an opinion. But 15 does make you not an expert on these things because... I know that you haven't even taken advanced history classes. Those don't come until you're about 16 to 18 in high schools in America. Like, it's not that I'm talking down to you because you are stupid, but I will call people out because they're factually untrue or they'll, mis they'll put out evidence that's false. And we need to do this. We as, as socialists and communists need to learn not to exclude people because of a lack of intelligence, but because we there are times where you need to shut down conversations because people are spreading mistruths, lies, or generally trying to weasel the conversation to be defeatist towards you. That might be one of the hardest ones for communists to look out for, for socialists to look out for, is bad faith arguments. You might be an expert at it by now from going through the internet. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but it is something I like to shout out to my friends. Don't get caught up in bad faith arguments. A bad faith argument is when your opponent, your interlocutor, does not have any interest in meeting a common ground with you. Instead, 
they want to basically hang you with your own words. Give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves sort of approach. They want to just trip you up time and time again. And you'll notice it usually devolves very quickly into insults. Look at this soy boy. He doesn't have any, you know, testosterone. He's a gay. He wouldn't survive in a, a communist country. I'm going to get you. Like, it always goes to that sort of thing. Or look at this low IQ person. He just doesn't, he doesn't do stupid to know. He's never read a book. He doesn't know. You don't know. And that's really like the whole heart of the argument is like, okay, well, you just attacked my character and now you're grumbling about it. And now you're saying, you know, extra things. I think I've talked to people here too about the fire hose approach. Uh, it comes along with the bad faith argument quite often where when you start to answer one of them really well, like you're actually responding to their topic, they will throw out five more questions and then they'll say like, well, why aren't you answering my questions? What's wrong? Don't know. Don't have an answer. And those are the people I often really stop and chat. I'll pause the whole thing and say, chat, we just spent five minutes answering Chuck's first question. Chuck, you've been spewing so many questions and ignoring any of our answers to you. Do you see how you're going to lose your privileges to talk in this chat? You know, you need to be a fair interlocutor. You know, I'm taking the time to address you personally. And, you know, at least you can listen to it. That's why you're here. You're, you're taking part in this. Gosh, I hope me sharing some of my inner thoughts with people is, is interesting. Thanks to the comments you've sent me. It would seem like it is. I'm talking to all of you now for real, uh, to everyone listening to the podcast. It means a lot. I, I hope me sharing some of these inner thoughts will give you some inspiration. You know, again, I, I was talking earlier. I really thought that getting into theory was going to bite me. I thought I was going to hear something I don't want to hear. And in fact, it, it taught me that a lot of my life alignments, my my beliefs about treating people fairly and equitably taught me that those are in line with Marxism and that there's a real reason and a backing for our beliefs in this system. And, and I guess that's why when you become a Marxist, these other conversations do sound so silly to you. We mentioned the inflammatory comments in this, just seeing them across the board. You really, as a Marxist, start to say like, wow, look at where they're coming from in this debate. You can tell this person's working against their own class interests. Like here they are saying that they have a tedious job or they're saying that all they do is this one repetitive task. And they're telling you how bad their life is, but then they blame it on socialism as its fault. But you don't live in a socialist system is what you need to remind them. You know, you, you start as a Marxist, you start to see where it's like, ah, here's where I jump in on the conversation. This is where they're falling off the path. I suppose... The reason for that is Marxism gives us a pretty good roadmap. It shows us the outline of what capitalism is. It's what Marx and Engels did was to define it. Lenin furthered it in the age of imperialism. He he looked at it again under the the context of World War One, both forming and when it went into full swing. That's what Leninism adds to Marxism. I was asked that question today too. That it. it Leninism adds to Marxism uh, a perspective of the imperialist age. Well, yeah, that's the correct word. That's what I want to say. The imperialist age. And Lenin also gives context as to what to do in revolutionary situations. So there's some extra practicality added to it. it it's funny. Lenin in all his books will apologize. I'm sorry I didn't have enough time to write. <laughs> It'll be like, I was formulating a new socialist government. It's like, my God, what a busy man. He's apologizing for not having time to write while he's actually out there creating a socialist state and pushing for really progressive policies, mind you. I think that's all for today's episode. That's the meat and potatoes of it. You listened to about 40 minutes of me rant about stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I 
have no idea if we want to take these podcasts into a more organized way. It seems like a part of this is just giving people some good content to listen to and maybe get a laugh out of it. I hope maybe some of my jokes earlier were a little bit funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. People laugh in the TikTok thing. Maybe I could make it translate to a podcast. I just hope people understand. I am coming at this with as best of a heart I can bring. Um, that's a lot of what people have been saying online. I've, I've, I've started to get people saying, Kyle, I'm not a socialist. I'm not a communist, but I really like that you're explaining this in a way that has heart. You're not threatening me. You're not trying to scare me. You're not telling me I'm an idiot, but you are putting people in their place that are being bigoted and rude. And you're showing us why that is detrimental and why we need to get rid of older ideologies, why we need to embrace uh, just a, you know, a progressive stance. Really, folks, I, I, I guess I'll say on my way out that that's one of the biggest things that I want you to work on this week is remembering that you are a person that has the ability to create change out there. One of the most common and malicious tendencies I'm seeing is people have lost faith in themselves to make any kind of change in this world. And I sort of admit I'm one of those people too at heart. Like I, I have felt that quite a lot in my life. What that's translating to is me seeing people say, well, communism will never work. Socialism will never work. Capitalism is the best humans can do. That's really what I'm seeing verbatim that, that, that three part thing saying this will never work, but we're at the best we can do. I try and remind them people thought the exact same going to space was impossible until we did it, and now we go there all the time, right? Now now all these billionaires are going up there wasting all of our money and killing our environment just by going up there for their fun little orbit trips. See how different of a world that is? People thought it was impossible, and now it's fairly average. Someday, if humans make it long enough, it's gonna be a no-brainer. You know, we're gonna be zip-zapping in and out of orbit all the time, but we need to work to get there. And it's troubling that the people that are saying, Kyle, you need it. You got to do more hard labor. I want to see you dig in a ditch. They'll tell me that. And I'll say, yeah, okay, you want to see me dig a ditch, but you won't even exude positive energy that we can like think about a better future. You won't even do the small amount of work that is to dream. <laughs> you won't even dream of a better tomorrow. Oof. It's not hard to do. Go look at Star Trek. It's a good starting place. I really do recommend Star Trek. That's another little piece of homework for people. If you want something that boosts your spirit, start with the next generation. Really holds up. Gets great. Further along you go. Really amazing. Star Trek puts really great principles in people's mind. Oh, I know I just said last thing before we leave, but truly, I want to interject that the early episodes of Star Trek have Marxism baked in. Yeah. I'm not bringing it up just because it suits my fancy. I mean, it does. I love Star Trek. But really, there's Marxism built into Picard's speeches and some of the early stuff. Listen for it. Specifically an episode, I can't remember exactly if it's season one or two, but he has a conversation with a wealthy dude that got cryo-frozen in space. And uh, he says, you know, we're, we're well past money. Money is not what motivates us. We're motivated by working for a better future, working for ourselves. Again, we're not, do he, he doesn't say this, but it's that idea, we're not doctors in it for the money. We're doctors in it because we care about saving lives. One of those two doctors is gonna do significantly better than the other. The one that's in it to save lives is gonna innovate. They're gonna say, this stuff works for me, this stuff doesn't, here's what we need to do better. The doctor that's in it for the money doesn't care if the patients live or die unless that affects their bottom line. And beyond that, they don't care about innovating the industry because, well, as long as they're getting their paycheck, it's good enough as is. 
However, they might innovate in the sense of uh, becoming more exploitative, you know, working less hours for themselves, getting the same pay, you know, not taking care of the patients sort of thing, blah, 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 blah. That exploitative stuff does happen, but I wouldn't call that innovation myself. So everyone out there, be super good to each other. Go check out the content we got going on. There's the open Discord server. There's the private Discord server linked to our coffee page. If you became a supporter over there, it would mean the world to me. It would allow me to do even more socialist content. It would allow us to do some higher quality videos, do a little bit better with our set design sort of stuff. Though, go check out that cool picture of Lennon that got here. That's pretty dope. It's an amazing backdrop. Um, go get involved with the Instagram account, Kyle Paranormals, where you can find me for all of these. I'm over on Twitch and YouTube. We're doing that daily stream about 3 p.m. Eastern time. But if I miss it due to work or whatever might interfere, maybe I'm not feeling well that day, we tend to pick them up at about 7 o'clock Eastern time. I tend to stick a little secondary stream in there just so people get to see my my bright and shining bubbly face each day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. You could do me a ser serious solid totally for free, and that is to rate this show on Apple or iTunes. I guess they're just calling it podcasts these days. But if you go over there and leave me a five-star review, it's all the better if you leave a little nice comment below because people can see that one. Um, this podcast feed was also, I, I hijacked it from a previous project I did. So some of the uh, the comments, the, some of the reviews down there might be old. It was an old history game we used to, to do. And I just grafted this podcast right on top from a, an older feed. So Go in there, leave me some nice comments in the uh, the reviews section, that'd mean the world. Get in the Discord, be active, become a member, be active there on the coffee page. And we'll see you in the next live stream, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Stay safe, folks. Share the show with your friends and organize, organize, organize.